Hello and welcome to the Gig Economy Project Podcast. My name is Ben Ray, I'm the coordinator of the Gig Economy Project and today we're going to be talking about Austria. When food delivery platforms land in a country, they arrive into pre-existing labour market and industrial relations norms. In some countries, those norms can be relatively conducive to the business model these platforms want to impose, while in others it can make things more complicated for the platforms. Austria is a case of the latter. In Austria, collective bargaining remains at the heart of industrial relations, including in the private sector, with almost all workers covered by a collective agreement, even if they're not in a union. Works councils exist which give workers some degree of insight and influence over corporate decision-making. While trade unions are not as strong as they once were, they are much more firmly rooted in the economy than in most European countries. How is the food delivery sector fitted into this picture in Austria? What success have unions had in curbing the excesses of food delivery platforms? And what can unions and riders in other countries learn from the Austrian experience? To discuss all this and more, the Gig Economy Project spoke to Robert Balasinski, project manager of the Riders Collective, which is part of the International Department of the Austrian Trade Union Federation. I hope you enjoy this episode of the Gig Economy Project podcast. Remember, you can get all our po- all our podcasts on the website bravenewyorkcom project or access them via the Twitter at project under slash gig. Robert, welcome to the Gig Economy Project podcast. Thank you. Hello. So let me just start off by asking you about the the kind of context in which the platform economy sits within the wider Austrian uh, labour market. So one of the interesting things about Austria is that it's got a kind of what I would think of as an almost Nordic approach, right, to labour relations in terms of sectoral collective bargaining um, between employers' associations and the unions. I read a statistic that 98% of private sector workers are uh, covered by a collective agreement, which is which is remarkable. Must be uh, must be among the highest in in Europe. So what I want to know is. Where does the the platform economy and the food delivery sector especially fit into that wider dynamic? Has it disrupted that social partnership model or or are you able to sort of integrate the food delivery sector into the the traditional collective bargaining model of of Austria? Uh, There are like two answers. On the one side, yes, they're disrupting it. On the other side, we were able to fit them into the traditional system of like collective bargaining, um, collective bargainings. We fitted them in in the collective agreement for bike delivery. For it's not saying there's no word about like this is a platform or about like gig economy something like this. No, we just took the you could say like traditional approach of bike messaging bike messengers are covered by the collective bargaining agreement and as long as food delivery companies um deliver by bike they are covered with it if they would start going with only with cars for example then there would be another collective agreement either necessary or fitting to 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 be covered with this so they are like intervened into the traditional system and um with no specific regulations for platforms there's like nothing that is like specifying either what is a platform either in law or in like any other things 
Um, yeah, that's... And, and so this collective agreement, tell us about this. When was it agreed? How many workers does it cover? Does it cover all the food delivery platforms in the sector? And that's the point with uh, disrupting it, because you have every every worker who has an employment contract is covered by the collective agreement. It got established 2020. Um, so to say, how did it get established? It was we, 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 I say we because I was really like part of this process. Um, we were the first ones to to get um, um, a work council in one of these platforms. Back then it was Fudora, now it's Fudora again. Um, without any attempt of or awareness of of uh, that this is gig economy, that this is platform work, whatever. We were there with the approach, hey, we are bike messengers, we want proper salary, we want proper working conditions. That was our approach towards it. Um, and together with the trade union, we we managed together with the trade union and the Chamber of Economics, the WKO, um, we managed to get this settled. And in the collective bargaining agreement, you have very basic things like your basic salary, where you can't go below. Um, <clears throat> you have there like your working time, which is like now 40 hours, but we also have in there like you, you have to, if you do full time, then you're, the company can only put you like five days on shift, not six days, stuff like this. You have um, you you get extra bonus for Sundays, for example, and everything that is not covered by normal labor law um, is defined in the collective agreement. And also that you get um, some remuneration for your your phone, that you get kilometer allowance if you're using your own bike and stuff like this. This is all in the in the collective bargaining agreement, and we negotiated like every year. Um, for the whole branch, and if you ask like how many people are covered by it, we just have assumptions because we don't get like the real numbers from the companies. If there is a work council in both big ones like uh, Just Eat Takeaway and Fudora, there are work councils, so we get the numbers from there. Um, but then the disruptive part hits in. Um, at Fudora, you have employee employees and this free service contractors who are not covered by it. So you can say in Austria it's about like four to five thousand persons working in the food delivery sector, covered by the collective agreement is, I would say roughly about two thousand persons, something like this. Uh, the free service contract is, <laughs> it's a bit of I, I'm gonna say how it is. It's a pain in the ass because it's it's not covered by collective bargaining agreement, but you are seen as a person that is like close to an employee. So you are covered by the Chamber of Labor, as I said. You can become a, a union member and so on, but the union cannot bargain anything that is like legally valid, uh, like the collective bargaining agreement um, for the free service contractors. And then you also, it's as I said, it's like this in between, um, like social insurance. From this point of view, you you have the same rights, or you you pay the same for social insurance like you do um, as an employee and you don't have to deal with it. It's not like self-employment where I need to do my own insurance stuff and so on. You don't need to do that. But you don't have, as said before, you don't have the collective bargaining agreement. You don't have paid holidays. You don't have uh, paid sick leave. You have kind of a sick leave, which is like 50% of the average of the last three months, da, 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 which you get paid by the social insurance, but not by the employer. And that's the trick. That's why it's it's very 
I would say sexy for these platforms to use this kind of contracts because they what they do. So I said you don't have the sick leave. You also don't have um, the the legal possibility to organize yourself in form of a work council, for example, because the work council just covers employees, not the free service contractors. So if you have a company with, I would say, like 2,000 people and you have a work council there, then it's a very strong and big work council. Yeah. But if I only have 100 employees and 1,900 free service contractors, then the work council is only for this 100. And also the, all the information that needs to be passed on to the work council is just regarding this 100 persons. You are, as a work council, you are legally not responsible for the free service contractors because they are seen as not part of the company. They just do the free service for you, but they are not part of the company, which is in reality, complete bullshit. I mean, they do the same job. Mm. They just have less rights. That's it. I read a report by Fair Work, you know, the mm -hmm. academic um, mm -hmm. action research projects connected to the University of Oxford. And they did a, a ratings of a, a, the Austrian um, platforms last year. And mm -hmm. they gave Leah Ferrando, which is just the, uh, a high rating of 8 out of 10. And they gave um, Fedor just 4 out of 10. Do you think there's a significant difference in, um, you know, labour conditions, wages, based on if you're an employee mm -hmm. uh, and if you're in this, this free service contract? Mm -hmm. Um, there is definitely <laughs> maybe not on the first glimpse or like on the first one, two, three months, let's put it that way. Uh, but on the long run, there is definitely, um, when we take the case of, of just eat, just eat is like, as I think in all of Europe, as far as I'm aware, um, they only have employees. That's what makes this eight out of them. They are quite, quite okay. They are quite fair. So they don't have this. Bogus self-employment or free service contracts and so on. Um, the fact that you have as a free service contractor, you're paid per delivery. Um, you can make in certain hours, certain days, you know, like Sunday evening, stormy weather, whatever. There you definitely can make more than with an employment uh, contract. But this is only like on the short run. If you count it, to the end, like end of the month, or let's say if you count it for a year, you're way um, you're way better off with an employment than with the free service contract because, as I mentioned before, you don't have the you don't have the paid holiday. Okay, you don't take holiday, but you might get sick, so you're losing like two weeks. You lose because you got sick in this year. You have to work that in somehow. Um, what is also part of the collective agreement, um, which is quite important. Um, you have uh, Christmas and the holiday money, so you get extra payments. You have thirteenth and fourteenth income. Mm. And this is this is only because of the collective agreement. If this wouldn't be there, you don't get it because there's nothing that is defined by law but by the agreement. Do you so have any fears that Leah Ferrando will move away from its employment model? Because in the UK recently, uh, sacked I think two thousand uh, employees and and mm -hmm. told them to to go into sort of independent contractor status. There was also some issues in France. Is there any fears that that could happen in Austria? Yes, definitely. That's what we are fighting against, and why we um, say it is an issue if you have <clears throat> companies that can simply avoid um, 
social partnership, avoid um, collective agreements and so on, just by handing out different contracts that are not covered by any of this. This is like a, this is a big discussion about it. And yeah, that's where we put our hopes into the directive to solve this issue, actually. Because um, otherwise, not only Lieferando, but all the other companies um, will start like asking themselves, why should I take the risk and pay for my my people if they're sick and so on, if I could simply not. And this is like, this put it, puts it down to like every branch and every company could say like in the end, well, fuck it, we do free service contractors, so I have no responsibilities and so on. And, and I'm well off. And the issue is also like in other countries, even if you, if you have this free service contract, um, you need to go to court to prove that it's not a free service contract. So who's doing that? Mm. You know, this is bound to cost. This is bound to you need to have the knowledge that you can do that. Um, this takes time, two, three years, something like this. So we never had any single case that somebody said like, okay, I'm going to go and and um, I'm going to go to court to to define if this that, that this is not a free service contract. The the final status is self-employed. Now I understand that uh, undocumented riders um, mm-hmm. work on a self-employed basis in Austria. Um, I've also read that quite often um, migrant riders who are working self-employed they they can work they work via subcontractors mm-hmm. um, rather than directly for the company, and their conditions can be a lot worse. Can you mm-hmm. tell us about that? Um... The thing of undocumented workers is, and what I know at least from in Austria, is way lower the number than like in France or Belgium or or also like in Spain is way lower. So we don't really have an issue with this, or it's at least it hasn't been very visible for us. Let's put it that way until now. Uh, what we do know about the subcontractors, um, this is something that is unfortunately um done by by um, i don't know if it's the right word by the by the migration law somehow you, you know what i mean yes like if you come to the country you um apply for asylum and as long as you are in this process of applying for asylum so there is no no defined decision if you get asylum or not and this can take in austria years to be honest uh, as long as you're in this process you're not allowed on the labor market except some little exceptions yeah, that don't fit here. You can only be self-employed. So that's the only way for, for those people to get some money somehow, somehow to open their own business, to be like self-employed ones. And then they land in the hand of the subcontractors, which is like controlled by one or two big groups in, 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 in Austria. <clears throat> and their situation is, huh, yes, way way worse because they don't have any kind of like uh backing you know like as an employee i either can be part of the trade unions or the trade union steps in for me to fight against my employer if i'm not part of the trade union then there's still the chamber of labor which could do some stuff for me but as a self-employed person you're by law not part of this group so you have no one to help you out. And we we had some some issues already with this kind of subcontractors and, and self-employed ones that they got like um sued by 
by one of the companies, by one of the subcontracting companies. And uh, like he'd made like wrong allegations, whatever. And usually there would somebody jump in like a trade union or a chamber of labor. But in that case, it was like, yeah, he's not neither nor. He's like self-employed, you know, he's like a company, treated like a company. So as a company, you have to deal by, by yourself with this. Although he's in the matter of fact, actually a worker. Mm -hmm. It's just because of the status. And this is like a very, this is a very delicate topic, actually, because we also didn't find yet a proper strategy how to tackle that issue, because it comes into this delicate topic of migration laws and mm. so on, which is, uh, as you might know, always a good thing for the right, uh, for the right wing to, yeah, to, to play focus. this. Yeah, yeah. It seems from an outsider perspective that th th there's a strong case in Austria for, for regulation because if you have Leah Ferrando employs all of its riders, Fedor mm -hmm. doesn't employ 90, 95% of its riders, there's no obvious reason why you know you'd have such a clear divide within the mm -hmm. within the industry. Is regulation something the unions are pushing for and, and what's the likelihood of that happening under the current um, People's Party and Greens coalition mm -hmm. government, which, as I understand, it, is a is a right wing government. Mm -hmm. Yes, you're, you're right. It's a right wing government, a very neoliberal. Uh, to put it down to in line is we have existing laws, and they work. That's that's basically the approach of the People's Party. I mean, true, we have existing laws. You can go to court and and you know. Um, try to define if this employment or not it works for you if you do it but if you're not doing it the companies can go on the way they do now and there is so to say no political will from the current government um to put any way of regulations into it uh also not on european level um yeah because in their opinion everything is great you know so that's 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 the thing, and the trade union has a strong interest to get regulations into it, and either either with um, covering uh, the free service contractors, but that doesn't solve the problem of self-employed ones. There, I agree. Mm -hmm. um, so either that this will be covered by law that they, you put them in into some certain so certain laws in labor law that they will be covered by it. But this is a long way to go, and also like really, pretty, uh, really depending on on the next elections, to be honest. Because for now, there is no nothing, nothing in in this way mm -hmm. or in this direction. So, in terms of the the dynamics of the food delivery sector, um, mm -hmm. as I understand, it, Austria, same as the rest of Europe, grew massively during the pandemic, um, mm -hmm. but since then. We've seen a retreat, especially of grocery delivery platforms, but also of, of restaurant food delivery platforms in the context of the cost of living crisis, in the context of reduced investment from, from sort of venture capital into, into this sector. Are you seeing signs of, of a retreat uh, in, in Austria or is it continuing to, to grow? Mm, I would rather say it's like, it seems to me that it like stabilized on a, on a certain level. In the last one two years, I mean, we had players come coming on the market like Flink and Joker, but they were—I'm not even sure if they stayed for a year, to be honest. 
And funny enough, both of them stepped into the market with employments. They didn't try this Freyadienstnehmer stuff, this free service contractors. Mm -hmm. Although it's obviously possible, they didn't do that, but they, they left the market after, yeah, like after a year, like last last December, I think Flink left it, yeah. And just and to make it clear, these are grocery delivery. This were, yes, these were only grocery deliveries. What Fudora does here, they, they also in the same time, they, they started with grocery delivery. So they cover all of it. They cover food delivery. They cover grocery delivery. As far as I've seen, at least at the ads, I'm not sure how good it runs. Uh, they also do like pharmacy deliveries and stuff like this. So this is all covered by, by Fudora for now. But you've not seen any attacks on, on wages and conditions over the last year or so, because in many European countries, um, there's been real cutting of wages in, in this sector as the, the companies come under more financial pressure. But has the collective agreement um, provided a kind of protection from, from that in Austria? Uh, it does, definitely, because it sets a minimum wage. Mm -hmm. And indirectly, like when we get a gain of like last time was eight and a half percent, something like this, a wage gain, um, the company gets the pressure from the free service contractors also to raise their income somehow. But there was no direct like attack on the wages. There was rather like a change of paying system, like how how it's how how you're gonna get paid for for your deliveries on the, with the free service contractors. Um, that they changed like from fixed four euros per delivery, no matter how far it is, to a more dynamic uh, pricing model with like uh, with taking the the distance into account, which they claim is an increase in income. Our people say like it stayed the same, so there was no increase at all. Although there's like you know there were the protests and so on, but they they just like changed how they they calculate. But in the end. It stays to in the end of the month. It's the it's the same. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about what you do, Albert, which is the, the union organising. Um, and as I understand it, there's the the trade union Vida is is the main union organising in this sector, and then there's the Wax Councils, um, mm -hmm. and the Riders Collective plays a kind of a kind of activist role within that kind of building a kind of social movement uh, pressure around around these issues. When did all of this get started, and and how has it developed, and, and where? How strong do you think uh, you are now in terms of union organising in this sector? Um, yeah, that's you, you. You were correct. Like the the branch union is the Vida, who's like responsible for for the collective agreement and for the work councils and so on and so on. And we, as a writers' collective, we are. It has kind of like historical reasons why we are in the international department. Because it all started out of project like building up a network of platform workers internationally. So we started doing this with the network we already had. And this is like riders and food delivery. Uh, so that's why we are based in there. We we started with everything like in January 2021. So like two years, three years ago now. And our role is, if you described it anyway correctly, is like we, we are the activists. We have um, activists in our group that are either working for the companies or used to work for the companies. We are in a very, very close um, exchange with the work councils. Um, we provide a, a space 
it's called Writers Collective Space, uh -huh. <laughs> um, where people can come in, get first-hand information, or just like go to the toilet, um, get a drink, whatever. But it's like <clears throat> we are there from Monday to Friday to be like more, um, more visible for the people, and also to overcome the gap of. Um, probably not not knowing that something like a trade union exists or the Arbeiterkammer, the Chamber of Labor exists. So that's where we step in to fill out this gap somehow. And also to always to, to push the companies with like public opinion. That's what we do quite a lot. If there is any shit coming out, we have it on social media. We put it forward to the to the to the media and so on. So we have also the role of like a, of a watchdog, if you mm -hmm. want so. Okay. So, yeah, that's... In terms of, um, I mean, obviously, Austria, you can, you can be covered by a collective agreement without being in a union. Now, I, I read the, the most recent statistic I could find was that 26% of um, Austrian workers are in trade unions. That's the union density. Uh, that, was from, that was from 2019, though. Um, I mean, I presume the food delivery sector is a lot lower than 26%, but have you been able to build up some union density? Have you been able to recruit people to the union? Yes, yes. We've been able to increase the numbers from a very low level um, to a remarkable one, I would say. Um, it's like we, we have now 10 times more members than we used to have 2019 or 2020. So that's that's actually an increase, but we started very low. So, you know, like in total. You didn't have a figure? Uh, the figure would be like, we started with like 40 and now we have like around 250, 300 members. Right. But like all over Austria and also like with the establishment of um, Austrian-wide work councils, because beforehand they were only in Vienna. And this year, this year we had elections um, all over Austria, which is also a boost to organize, you know, because all of a sudden you're in, in Graz, for example, second largest city in, in Austria, and now you have your representative in the company there, not in Vienna anymore. So this is something, okay, that also puts more awareness on, on unionizing and on your actual rights that you have, if you have them, if you're not a free service contractor. Mm -hmm. that's, uh, that's always a nasty thing. Mm. And the works councils, how many works councils are there and what exactly does do the works councils do for workers? The work council is um, elected by the workers and depending on the size of the company, you have either five persons in the work council or if it's like a really huge one, you get up to 10, like Just Eat has like 10 members in the work council. The function is it's the in-between between the worker and the management. The work council is negotiating for the workers with the management. And the management has to inform the work the, the work council about like cancellations, about um any like planned major changes and so on. And they have to consult both together. Mm -hmm. And that's the right of the work council. And they are like also, for example, they, they are um they are protected by law. They can't get kicked out just because of their like so to say existence. You need to go to court and so on. So it's like kind of very difficult to get a work council out again. And the work council is also part of the mostly um, part of the collective agreement of the bargaining. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's that's their role. And they are defending the the rights of the workers towards the management in the end. 
what 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 is the key for you? What holds the key in Austria to going from where you are now to a, a stronger position in terms of the in, in, in the food delivery sector? The key the key issue or what, what is like hindering us a little bit to become stronger is we were back on it is a free service contract. Because you have no rights that you could claim in this kind of a contract. And that makes it for us also difficult to uni to unionize the groups because, it is, you know, you, you can easily, if you have the free service contract and people are paid by delivery, they don't have the time or they don't want to um, discuss and, and get in a union because what for? Does it bring me money? No, so I don't need it. Yeah, This is like, it's precarious work. You need to struggle to survive somehow on it. And as long as this is legally possible and we have no um, tools in hand, like to bargain, for example, for them, um, this will be always a little bit hindering us in getting stronger because we cannot, we do hard with providing like um, benefits besides legal assistance because we can't bargain for them. You know, that's, mm -hmm. that's, that's the biggest issue, actually. Mm -hmm. And that's also why we are so strongly against this kind of free service contracts, because these are not free service contracts, how they are run by this one major company. Also, like for us as Writers Collective, we're in quite a lot of uh, discussions with the with the trade union that we need to find a way what to provide or what, what we can do, a leverage for the, for the free service contractors. We have developed some kind of like ideas and strategies, but... This is very much depending on the companies. That's why I doubt that this way will work out. As far as my experience with platforms is, if you don't come there with the big law hammer, you know, they don't move. They don't do it. Mm -hmm. Why should they? Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. the thing. And also like with the protests that we had uh, last winter, they simply hired new people. You know, the, 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 the protests were... Um, about, you know, like everything got more expensive, but people didn't get more money. They didn't get a pay raise. Em employees got a pay raise because of the collective agreement and the free service contractors just simply didn't get that. The strategy of the companies, I guess, like everywhere is you simply get new people. You tell them the story again. And if it shows, uh, and if, if, if it's in the end, it's not the truth and they recognize it, they just... They, they hope that they leave so they can get the other people, the next ones. Mm. And they have methods how to do this with, with like internal ratings, how much shifts you get and so on. This was a big issue now over summer. They hired a lot of people, gave them access to the shifts. So the older fleet had no access to sheets, uh, to shifts and they couldn't work. You're on the contract, but you simply can't work because you don't get the shift to do so. Because mm. all the others, the newbies got the shifts and the old fleet was like, well, one month, no income. So, okay, I I go, I leave. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> you mentioned that, that Vault has, has recently entered the Austrian market. I, mm -hmm. read, I read an interesting article on the Rider Collective website by Adele Siegel. Um, mm -hmm. And she said it took just two weeks of yeah. Vault being in, in Austria for protests to start, mm -hmm. um, which isn't that surprising considering that Every almost every country where Vault operates in, there's been a protest or a strike this year. It's, it's remarkable. We, we published an article about it on the Gay Economy Project website. 
But tell us about this. Why did the protest start and, and what is Walt's impact being on the Austrian market? That is actually quite funny because those people who were protesting in winter, working from Yam, they got so fed up, they all changed to Volt. But they already had like three or four protests. They were already pissed. They knew already what to do, how to put pressure on the companies. So they didn't let them, you know, go away with any kind of, of, of tricks they tried to do in the beginning. Um, yeah. That was quite interesting. The reason for it was when Walt entered the market in May, beginning of May, they promised you a fixed hourly salary of like 13 euros something because there were simply no deliveries. They just entered the market. So you've been, <clears throat> you could take shifts, get this 13 euro gross just by riding around in the Walt uniform. And they promised to do this like for the whole month. But in the middle of the month, they saw, oh, maybe that costs a lot of money just to let people ride around with empty backpacks. Uh, so they decided to cancel it. And so the people were like super pissed. Come on, you promised me for the next two weeks that I can earn, I don't know, this and that money. And now you're just canceling from one day to the other. So they went to the office, <laughs> like this group went to the office. And immediately they they gave back all the shifts and like, okay, sorry, this was a misunderstanding. There you go. Here are your shifts again. That was a mistake by our side. Uh, you know, no hard feelings. Let's cooperate and so on and so forth. And yeah, that, that, was, that was interesting though. So they got all the shifts back, worked on. And for May, this was the deal somehow. And since June, it's like with the others, it's paid by delivery. In a dynamic pricing model, I guess it's in the other countries, it's the same dynamic pricing model. But so far, they <laughs> that's the thing, they behave better than Fedora does because there are no sanctions. The money is slightly better. You can choose your deliveries if you take them or not because you get all the informations. So you can choose literally if it's worth it or not. You have no consequences if you don't take it and so on and so forth. So it's like they... They've learned about the mistakes, why there were protests and so on, and what the benefits for the people are with this free service contracts. And they try to play this in a in a good manner for now. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's always like with these companies in the beginning, they are nice and shiny, and then it begins to stink again. <laughs> so we, we are just waiting, you know. <laughs> waiting for the smell to start. Yeah, yeah, waiting for the smell that they do a hiring mistakes or whatever that they just overstaff. And then you have... Again, the situation, a lot of people waiting and standing around without getting paid. You know, yeah. it's like, yeah. So let, let me finish, Robert, by asking you about the, the international picture. I know you're very engaged in international work. That's part of your your remit. When I was at the, the European Trade Union Confederation Conference in Brussels on the platform economy in March, there seemed to be more Austrians than, than anyone else. You seem to fill the room practically. So it seems like quite a lot of you are engaged in this in the international work, in the national sphere. Why is that something that's important for, for you guys? And, and what's your feeling about the, the platform, the EU platform work directive now? Do you think it's going to be something, something useful? Mm -hmm. Um, it's very important for us as these are multinational companies that know exactly what's going on in the other countries. So we also need to know what's going on in the other countries. What is Walt doing here and there? What is Fudora doing here and there? What are they telling the people on the ground here? 
what is possible and what are they doing in i don't know oslo for example what what is the reality so we can always do the reality check with the with the stories of the of the companies as they tend to not tell the whole truth always put it that way and it's also very important for us to learn from other initiatives and groups what they what they are doing what their struggles are they are kind of like very often they're they're similar but you if you go more to the east they're again different completely and way less organized than western europe um but it's very interesting to have this kind of like exchange and also to put the, the awareness towards the workers you know like to to pay to, to to be aware what does it mean when this company is entering the market what does it mean if you stay in this status and so on so this is like a, a very important factor for us um and asking about the directive, this actually leads towards the directive because all of this network of this international network that was established 2017, 2018, we were like from the beginning on uh, kind of like involved in the in this um, in in the in the the making of the directive, like not literally in the writing of the directive, but putting the political pressure um, on 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 the politics to find a solution to this to this business yeah to find a solution for this business model somehow because it can't be that i just come as a company and say like hey i'm cool i'm a tech company i have an app no laws apply to me that's that can't be the fact come on and yeah that's that's why it's super important for us to have the exchange with others 